Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. It's good to be here with you this morning, 11 a.m. I apologize if you came at 10.30 or if you see somebody come in at 12, it's because we forgot to update everybody last week. They were going back to two services, but we had to do three services last week because we had over 300 people here for Easter Sunday, which was awesome. That was awesome. I just, I want to thank everybody who just volunteered, who came, who invited their friends, their neighbors, their co-workers, who sat in multiple services so we could count you twice and add you to the count, and uh, just so thankful that you were a part of our Easter Sunday, and the Sunday after Easter is always a little challenging, right, because, you know, you have this huge celebration, free tacos, awesome, and then, and then this Sunday, you know, the Spurs lose last night and so i'm wearing all black in mourning and uh i'm gonna be wearing all black all year until we get a championship which i believe will happen next year praise god pray for that for me and uh let's make it happen and and not only that not only was it sad not only was i mourning right now but our flowers have been mourning we forgot to water them all week apparently you have to water real flowers apparently that's a thing who would have thought so so our flowers are sad, I'm sad, but I am so happy that you are here this morning. And I'm happy that you are with us at Luminous Church. My name is Ben Chapman, I'm the lead pastor here. And it's an honor and privilege to open up God's word and just dive in his word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, is where we'll be this morning, Hebrews chapter 11. And I love, I love this chapter, is we seen all year we've been talking about faith this year in 2019 we started with prayer and fasting and a sermon series called great faith believing god for just the impossible believing god for just amazing things to happen in our life and through our life and and seeing how jesus wants to make a difference in you and through you is really our prayer and our desire and our hearts and we started with hebrews chapter 11 earlier this year and we we skipped past one person and maybe we skipped past him because he's not as glamorous as the rest perhaps you know maybe he he didn't um do the things that maybe some of the others had done but but the thing about hebrews chapter 11 is as as the writers are writing to the jewish people he's including this hall of faith or hall of fame if you will if you're a sports person it's it's the people that are are the champions of the champions in the Jewish faith and said, you know, keep the faith, keep going in the, in the midst of persecution. This is when, when the book of Hebrews was written as the church is being persecuted, as you were wondering if you were going to live or die this week because you are a follower of Jesus, because you decided to follow the way, because you decided just to place faith in him and change your life. And you're wondering if you're going to live or die this week. Some of you under extreme persecution like that, it would bring you to a place of, well, maybe I won't follow the way. 
Maybe I won't. So the writer of Hebrews starts writing to them, and I want, I want to tell you that in the midst of persecution, I want to remind you of these people with great faith who didn't compromise their belief in God but kept going, and it was a good thing. And when we read it, we have this same likeness to it where, where we realize, yes, I'm going to keep going, but how many of you know that sometimes, sometimes it, it, is, it is hard to follow God? Sometimes when you're walking with God, it's hard to follow somebody who's ambiguous. Uh, maybe you don't tangibly see him. You feel a little bit hard to interact with him from time to time. Some of you, we, we've been walking this walk of faith. We've been walking by faith, not by sight, but something happens in your life that trips you up. Have you found that to be true? Maybe, maybe there's something that has put a present fear in you. And it keeps you from walking, and so you fall. Some of us don't walk real well, do we? Some of us, some of us walk imbalanced. Some of us walk a little timidly. Some of us have been walking maybe with some shame because of what we did last night, last week, last month, last year. We, we've just been walking with guilt and shame, and it has defined us and we aren't walking that well. Some of us have been walking where, where maybe we in betrayal, where somebody's betrayed us, or maybe we betrayed somebody else. And it's hard to walk well when life tries to trip you up. How many of you know that's true? And when you've been tripped before, it's, it's like you, 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 you start tippy-toeing around. It's, it's like the, the, the kid or the little brother or sister leaves all the Hot Wheel cars all over the, all over the living room. You know, and, and you step on one, and once you step on one, what do you do? You like slow your roll. You know, you start slowing your roll. You were confident at first, waking up in the middle of the night, walking across the living room. But, but you step on one little thing, and all of a sudden you start walking a little cautiously, uh, maybe timid, maybe keeping you and slowing you down from the purpose that God intended for you to walk. And, and I want to just highlight in Hebrews 11, a man who walked well, a man who walked well. And I think maybe we could pull some stuff from this man who walked well in order to walk well ourselves so we could get on walking. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he could not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was committed as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to him, near to God, must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him by faith by faith this is what we read about enoch the first thing we need to know is it was by faith that he 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 did anything and throughout hebrews we read about these patriarchs we read about we read about noah by faith noah built an ark in the middle of a desert when it had never rained there before by faith let me know that's faith over a hundred years to build this ark. That's a lot of faith and a lot of years. And most of us won't even see that many. 
right? By faith, he did this. By faith, Moses led the people of Israel out of slavery and into freedom. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea. By faith, Abraham believed the promise that even in his old age, they would have a child. By faith, there was these action steps. By faith, there's action. And yet Enoch, by faith, there's no action. Enoch didn't do anything that we notice that was really noteworthy. He didn't build an ark. He didn't cross a, a, a sea on dry land. He, he didn't have a child in his old, old age. Right? The, 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 why Enoch in this middle? Why, why him here? And I think we're going to understand the why as we begin to look and, and see what he has done and, and how he ended up walking with God. See, it wasn't just by faith, but it was a walk with God that he did. And Genesis chapter 5 is the other place that we notice Enoch. In the middle of this genealogy, he's put in this place. There's not many places Enoch's mentioned. He's mentioned in Hebrews 11. He's mentioned um, in Jude. He's mentioned uh, in the genealogy in Luke. And he's mentioned here in Genesis. Just a few verses. few very important verses. Now, now, when I was younger, when I was a college student, it was all about adrenaline, right? Because you have an energy. It's like the energy level is just higher than it is now. Can you believe that? I used to be more energetic. I don't know. Maybe it's opposite for me. Maybe I'm just going to get more energetic as I get older. Praise God. You know, but, but, but when, I was, when I was younger and I read this and I read Genesis, uh, Genesis 5 and Hebrews 11, I was like, oh, man, Enoch vanished. Enoch was like beamed up to God, you know. Enoch walked with God, never tasted death. I'm not going to taste death. That's going to be me. That's going to be me. Anybody ever read the Bible and say, oh, that's going to be me? Am I the only one who reads it? I, I, I do that all the time. I'm like, praise God. Thank you, Ute. Helping me out. Helping me. Thanks you, David. Praise God. Can I get a hand over here? Somebody. Okay. Praise God. I see you, Amanda. Okay. So, so when I'm reading this, I'm like, that's going to be me. I'm number one competition is my strength finder. And, and the strength finder is this 32 strengths, and number one is competition. And so I'm just competitive. I read that. I'm like, okay, Enoch, I'll get you. <laughs> Don't do as I do. Do as Jesus did. So I'm like, man, I'm going to vanish. And then all of a sudden you have all these Bible studies and you start talking about it. And you're like, hey, man, guess what, dude? You know about Enoch? No, I don't know about Enoch. Let me tell you about Enoch, man. Enoch was awesome. He vanished. Boom. Never takes a debt. It was awesome. <laughs> so you start telling everybody about it. And you're like, I wonder what happened. Like, did his atoms, like, you know, did his atoms, like, move through the universe? I mean, what was it? How did he just do that? What, where are his bones? Like, are his bones in heaven? I mean, I mean, how did it work? I don't understand. And you start having all this theological conversation about Enoch. But, but we're kind of missing the point of Enoch, Ben. Kind of missing the point of Enoch. Kind of missing really, really what's amazing about him. And the things that we can learn. Because if I'm looking to vanish... Oh, I'm going to be looking maybe at the wrong things. See, Enoch, in, in this genealogy of Genesis 5, when Enoch should live 90 years, uh, he became the father of Kenan. After he became the father of Kenan, Enoch lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived, lived a total of 905 years. That's a long time and a lot of wrinkles. <laughs> and then he died. And then you read the next person. 
they died. And then the next person, they died. And the next person, they died. And although they lived a long time, they died. And then verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Death, 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 God took him away. And the mystery and the profound um, thing that we could take from here is, is what was so amazing about Enoch for him to vanish? What was so amazing about Enoch for God to take him away? Well, what we see here is Enoch, Enoch walked faithfully. That we are to walk faithfully. And at what point in his life did he walk faithfully? Maybe the first 65 years. But what I really observed from this, and the big takeaway is this, is right after he had a son, he walked faithfully. Right after he had a son, and it's amazing to me that when you take on responsibility, you become a person who walks faithful. The more, the more responsibility you have, the more faithful you have to be. And the more faithful you are, the more responsibility you get. It helps you to walk by faith. When I had my son, Benson, I, I'll never forget, you know, I, I was single. You know, before I had Benson, and it was awesome. It was just me. I got to do whatever I wanted. You know, I could stay out late. I, I didn't have to go to bed. It was awesome. I, uh, Netflix all day, you know. We didn't have Netflix back then. We, you know, we had to go Blockbuster. You don't remember that? <laughs> Praise God for Blockbuster. Get there right when they open or you miss out, you know, miss that movie. And it was just whatever I wanted, you know. Stay up, I hop late. Had these theological discussions about Enoch, you know. It didn't matter if I dragged, you know, it, it, there was nobody to get on to me. If my boss got on to me, I'd just quit, get another job, praise God, because I had no bills. You know, and then I got married, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I had to check in, you know. Check in, hey, hey, babe, how you doing? We're married. This is awesome. A little responsibility came. But I was still a little, a little you know, kind of, yeah, I'm married, you know, like I got a friend. But, but the responsibility, you know, I just, I mean, you know, we're still good. One bedroom, $600 rent, you know, cheap life, you know, just, it was good. Ramen all day, didn't matter. Then had Benson. And Benson, I remember bringing him home, and, and a couple of days after bringing him home, looking at him, and then the, the weight of responsibility rested on me like I had never felt it. The weight that whoever this kid becomes is because the way that I live. If he is to follow God, then his father must follow God. If he is to believe that he's created in the image of God, his father must believe that he's created in the image of God. And my son is going to be secure and confident. His father must be secure and confident. And all of a sudden, it put me on a dependency of now that I have responsibility, I need to be faithful to him, but I need to be faithful to him. I need to be faithful to God. I need to, I need to understand him. If I'm going to learn how to be a father, I need to learn from the father. Let me get this to you because maybe you aren't a father or a mother. Maybe you're a brother or a sister. If you're going to be a good friend, 
a friend, uh, uh, the weight and, and magnitude of a friendship, there rests a responsibility on you. You realize when you go onto the campus or you go into your workplace and you start sharing Jesus with somebody, all of a sudden a responsibility falls on you because now you have some ownership over them. Are you going to befriend them or are you just going to tell them something and then walk away? Like there's a responsibility that comes and now you're responsible. Am I going to call them? Am I going to text them? It, it, what happens when, when somebody dies in their family? Am I going to be there? Am I going to be the shoulder that they can lean on? Am I, am I going to be a good friend? Am I going to hang in there? And, and there's this, this weight on you as a friend that produces a faith in you and a reliance on the best friend you'll ever have. See, 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 when I have a friend, I need to look at Jesus, my friend. Because when I understand Jesus' as friend, I understand his character, his love, his grace for me. Now, when I mess up and when I fall, that he's still there, I start understanding that. And I start displaying and giving grace to my friends. Start loving them well. Start treating them well. And it seems a little mundane, doesn't it? Like this day in, day out walk. Like Enoch. That's... 300 years, 300 years after you had your son. Some of us won't even see 100 years. And, and, and we look, man, it's so hard to follow God. So hard to follow God. I don't think I can follow God for 90, 100 years. So you look at a patriarch. You look at somebody who went before you and said, if he did it, I can do it. If they did it, we can do it. And it produces this faith in us that, that we'll, be, we'll be full of faith and we will be faithful. Hebrews 11 once starts off with the chapter is that faith is the substance, the substance of things hoped for. It, it's not this faith in this intangible, not this faith in some verb or faith in some feeling. Oh, it makes me feel good when I hang out with them. Oh, Benson makes me feel good. He doesn't make me feel good all the time. Sometimes I got discipline him. Oh, oh yeah, marriage is good. I'll, I'll be faithful to the marriage as long as I feel good. No, no, faith is a substance. Faith is a person. Faith is a noun. Faith is God. And we'd have faith in God and who he is and, and who, what he said he would do and how he accomplished good works for you and me and how he paid the price so that you and I can live this life, this, this, this confidence that we have hope for an assurance about what we do not see, this assurance of who he is and what he has done. And this, this mundane walking is, is sometimes hard. And we trip up and we fall. And it's why Jesus says there's grace for that. A righteous man falls seven times. A righteous woman falls seven times, but then gets back up. They, they may fall every single day of the week, but, but they're going to rise again because he rose again. That's how we have this confidence to walk, this assurance to walk in. And now we look at this place. Enoch not just walked with God, but he drew near to him. James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. He will come near to you. He, he, this is his good promise. This is what he has promised you and me to come near to us as we draw near to him. And in our culture, it's easy to compartmentalize everything. I found that to be true, like time clock, you know, 
time clock. I'm not working anymore. I'm off the clock. You're a pastor. You're always on the clock. Pick up your phone. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we compartmentalize life, right? Uh, it, it was easy to do when I first got married. It's like, oh, I'm only married on date night. You know, <laughs> like, oh, date night. Oh, yeah, we're married. Yeah, this is awesome. Then you go to work. You forget you're married. It's crazy. It happens. You know, you leave your kids for a week, you know, with the grandparents, and then you forget that you're a parent. You just compartmentalize things, put things in different compartments, and, and it's not a holistic mindset or holistic thinking. And, and we do the same with God, and, and our faith is that we compartmentalize it, and, and we, we say, okay, God, whew, here you are. This is where you found right here in this Bible, this book. This is God. Okay, I'm going out. I'm going to put God on the shelf. I'm going to put God on the shelf right here. Okay, see you later, God. I'm going out. I'm going to hang out and do my thing. Then you come back, and you may come back a couple weeks later. Hey, God, what's up? Oh, man, been missing you. Then you put them back on the shelf. Then you take them with you. And this is what we do oftentimes is we compartmentalize God, and we put them in boxes in our life. But, but, but Jesus has called us to be a holistic people, that you are a new creation, the old is gone. The new has come. You can't compartmentalize it. This is who you are. You are part of the way. But the challenge for us in our culture, in our society, is when we compartmentalize God and we put him on the shelf, we want to buy what we want to buy. We want to go where we want to go. We want to date who we want to date. We want to marry whoever we want to marry. We do all that stuff. What happens is when crisis happens, when you get tripped up, when you step on a hot wheel, you're like, oh, my gosh, where, where's God? Where's God? I got to find God. Where is he? Oh, here he is. Oh, man, where are you, God? Oh, I got to find you. Oh, oh, not there. That's not a good one. Okay, right now. Woo! No, no, you rebuked me right there. Okay, okay. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, your loving kindness. I knew you were there, God. <laughs> and we treat God oftentimes like a call girl. Well, we just want, we just want to call him up to get, get gratified. We want to just call him up for our own interests. But God is part of your life constantly. He's part of your life daily. He's part of who you are. You can't separate him. And, and there's many way, re, ways that we can acknowledge him. And it's not just through his word. But, but sometimes we acknowledge him daily by just, by just talking to him. You know, like on the road when you're going, wherever you're going in the hour traffic, wherever it may be here in the city, why is traffic so bad? It's so you can hang out with God. So you talk to him. And don't just talk to him in your mind. Like actually talk to him. I love when Benson's in the back and I'm just talking to God. I'm just talking to God because I believe, I draw near to him and believe that he exists like Enoch. God, you're so amazing. I love you today. You're amazing. I'm so glad for this day. I thank you for my son. I thank you for who he is. He's awesome. Lord, I pray for this day. I pray that you're in this day. I pray, God, that you would be our focus, that we would put all of our attention and affection on you. And you start praying out loud, and all of a sudden he starts, my son starts getting that. And he starts rubbing off on him, and he starts saying, oh, God, uh, God's amazing, and he's real, and I believe he exists. And, and not just a, a mental ascent, or not just some intangible, but he's real a part of my life. Some of us wear crosses, and that's not for a fashion statement. It's because when we look in the mirror, we realize whose we are. Hey, hey, uh, Jesus is risen, and I'm his. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. This is who he is. 
And when I'm tripping up wherever it may be, I know he's right there. And we just remember him through different things like that. Some of us, it's, it's wearing a bracelet. And when I was in youth ministry, a high school student, Matt, he was playing baseball. He was a great baseball player. Second baseman, just awesome. He was so good, but he had huge anxiety, huge anxiety, huge fear. I'd always try to trip him up in his walk with God. And it, well, every time he went to bat, he would just get anxious. And, you know, it's crazy when you play sports because all of a sudden your identity becomes a W or an L. You're a winner or a loss this week. You're a winner or a loser this week. And your identity gets wrapped up in that. And it's not just sports, is it? I mean, really, it's your work. It's the way you parent. It's the way you friend. It's the way you do school. It's like I'm measured by a win or a loss, and I'm constantly measured by a grade, and it's bringing some type of affirmation or bringing me down in some way. But Matt grabbed a bracelet and said, and said um, <clears throat> oh, man, what did it say? Praise God for that. Never lose faith. Never lose faith. Matt would hashtag that all the time. Whether it was a win or a loss, never lose faith. Not faith in my ability, but faith in who he is. You see, as he was walking, it helped him walk well. It helped him walk throughout high school and his career. It helped him walk throughout college as he was in our college ministry playing baseball. And, and he, he wore this bracelet, never lose faith. And some of us just need a reminder that, that God is ever-present. He is all around. And, and we need to have some God conversations wherever we go. I used to be the incognito pastor. Like, you know, when I met you, I wouldn't tell you I was a pastor. Like, would you... What do you do for a living? I'll, I'll just change the subject. What do you do? Because <laughs> I knew if I said I was a pastor, they would change. It's like, you know, the man of God, like, is right here. So all of a sudden, they would say, oh, God bless you. I, I just love church. I just love going to church. <laughs> I'm like, man, you have not seen a church. <laughs> but then I realized it's actually great. Because if I tell them I'm a pastor... It leads into a spiritual conversation. And that gives me a door to speak into their life, some spiritual truths that they so need. And maybe, just maybe, they will start going to church. Maybe, just maybe, they'll start following Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, they'll, they'll find out how amazing he is. You, you see, it's fun. It's all you who are, uh, go to church and are on night team. Tell people you go to church. Tell your break room, hey, y'all go to Luminous Church. See what happens. All of a sudden, when they're in need, when they're in crisis, who do they go to? They'll go to you. When they have questions, they're going to go to you. They're going to run to you, and, and you're not going to give them you and your salvation. You're going to give them Jesus and who Jesus is. It's amazing what happens. You see, not only do we draw near to him, but we seek God by faith. Hebrews 6 says, he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who seek him. Tenth grade year in high school, I was in metal shop. And metal shop seemed like a better option than all the other extracurriculars like acting or, or you know, band or whatever it may be. And praise God for that. I had no rhythm and I can't act very well. So, so I was in metal shop and metal shop was awesome. We, we decided, my, my friend and I, we decided to build a dune buggy. It was awesome. We, we bought this Volkswagen engine, and, and, and we, we, we started putting it together. We started welding it together, and, and, and it was so fun. And, you know, some of our welds weren't that great, and, 
And when we found out that there was going to be a state competition, that we could enter our dune buggy in the state competition. I was like, dude, yes, we're going to do this. We went back to our broken welds and we started welding it better, you know. We started making it amazing, like started putting all this time and effort into it. We bought all this metal for it. And for whatever reason, I thought the tax dollars are going to pay for the metal. And we got a bill for $1,000. I was like, how are we going to pay for this metal? So we started selling stuff, you know. We we're like, man, I don't know. We're going to pay for this thing. And never forget going to Waco, Texas and rolling this dune buggy off the trailer and getting in it and revving the engine. Everybody's looking. They built like a barbecue pit or something. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> we're taking this thing, doing donuts. It was awesome, man. It was awesome. I was like, man, we're going to win the championship. We're going to win it all, baby. And so I was so excited, and they were giving out prizes. You know what they gave us? A red ribbon. <laughs> where's the scholarship? Where's the money? Come on, where's the reward? We've been walking all year doing all this stuff, you know? We've been fighting over these welds, fighting who gets to drive it off the trailer, doing all this stuff, and, and we get a red ribbon. Excellent. That's not even first place, by the way. You got an excellent ribbon. You know, the truth is, is uh, when I read this, he's a rewarder of those who seek him. I'm like, man, I'm going to walk this walk. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be faithful. I can't wait for the prize. I can't wait for the reward. I can't wait for what's going to happen. Can't wait to get it all. It's going to be awesome. Man, I'm getting a mansion in heaven. What are you getting, dude? You slack in. You're going to be in that outhouse. <laughs> and the crazy part, the crazy part that I realize, it's not about the reward. But it's about the rewarder. You see, I realized, I realized it wasn't about the ribbon. But it was about the relationship that I had with me and my friend as we've been walking all year. I realized it was about this relationship of us getting to hang out and talk to each other and become friends. And, and that was so much more precious than some cheap ribbon, some cheap transaction. You see, God wants you to walk in such a way that you get the reward. And the reward is Him. The reward is who He is. And our culture is, I did, I did, I did. I get, I get, I get. But in the kingdom, in his kingdom, he says, I am, I am, I am. So you can be who you're meant to be. This is the reward. This is what we read from Enoch. This is being faithful in the mundane day in and day out. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray? I just love pray for you. If you wouldn't mind bowing your head and closing your eyes with me as we pray, dismiss. I just, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you've been doing this all for the wrong reasons. Maybe you've been coming to church to check off a box. Maybe you've been coming to church because you thought you would get something tangible. You thought maybe you'd get a better job. Maybe you thought you'd get something 
something more in your bank account. But I want to tell you and encourage you, if that's you and you thought you were going to get and so you've been living, I want to pray for you that God would be enough for you. That Jesus himself would be enough. He would be better than the degree, better than the bank account, better than your marriage, better than anything else. That he would be enough for you. And when he's enough, everything else lines up. If that's you and Jesus hasn't been enough for you, you just need some prayer this morning to see Jesus like I've been talking about. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. That's me, Pastor. I just haven't seen Jesus like that. I've been doing everything for the wrong reason. I've been doing everything for accolades, everything for a ribbon. But Jesus, I want you today. I want more of you today. If that's you, I want more of Jesus. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand high. Jesus, I just pray for everybody who wants more of you, who wants more of your presence and more of who you are. Jesus, I pray that you would show them how to walk. I pray, Holy Spirit, for a gift of faith this morning to be deposited deep in their soul. Jesus, that you would be all of their affection, their need, their desire, our desire. Holy Spirit, come. We see you even more clearly, Jesus, than than when we saw you when we first came. We love you. Amen.